Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause. always catches me unaware that live button when it goes so welcome everybody my name's claire claire kennedy and um, i am the ceo and founder of kennedy street the recovery charity um i'll catch you up with who and what we're up to and um, we've just done our first ever fundraiser um a virtual fundraiser um, and we've managed to raise, are you ready? I, I may have said this last week, but I want to say it again. Drum rolls. We've managed to raise over £6,000. I mean, and the lovely Martin Davis, who's with us today, played a massive part in that too. He was so supportive and so kind and lots of running and wonderful activities on our behalf and got sponsored from his friends and family and it was amazing. Um, and, and Martin's now become a friend of ours, but I'm going to let Kevin introduce him to you in a second. Um, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we can introduce him again. We like him that much, we'll introduce him twice. Oh. introduce his project that he, he, he's working on uh, that he, he delivers so the business that he does um yes so i'll hand over to the gorgeous kevin he's on the right of my screen there we go over to you hello Kevin. hello 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 everyone i uh, hope you're all out there feeling safe and uh, enjoying the sunshine today maybe the last of it before we get into winter and uh, my name's kevin kennedy uh, i am the patron of kennedy street and all-round good-looking poster boy um today as claire said we have the lovely martin with us uh who is has been brilliant over this uh over this this campaign we've been running doing lots of lots of work for us and martin today is going to tell us his story so without further ado over to you martin thank you very much kev and firstly i've got to say thanks so much guys for inviting me on I'm still recovering from that run, I'm not going to lie, but it was all all for good cause. And uh, it is recovery month, isn't it? And I just want to say to everybody that's watching this, that, that is in recovery, is we're all miracles, you know. We're, we're treading these boards every single day, um, trying to lead a better life. And do you know what? I've got to a stage where... I question, how did I get here? How I found recovery? Because I was in the darkest depths. Um, I am an addict, I'm an alcoholic, and a compulsive gambler. Pretty much ticks every box. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful that you've asked me to come on today. And it's a little bit mad, you know, sitting here chatting to you and going to share my stuff because addiction took me to a place. So I'm going to start there of not wanting to be here anymore, right? And it hurts me to say that. And I just think it is so important to get it out there. You know, people listening to recovery, I've known people that, you know, I've given up on life. And 
there's nothing left for them. And I was one of them. I was one of them until I found recovery. And, you know, thank God I did. Um, I've led a good life. I've, I've, led a, I've led a crazy life. Let's put it that way, as we were discussing off camera um, a minute ago, you know. Looking back as a child, um, from being in recovery, I, I noticed certain certain little things that, um, that that stood out with what I used to get up to. I was like a jewel cell bunny as a kid, and um, I used to just obsess so much as a kid over certain stuff. And one of the first things was a session is. When the fair comes to um, our local town, I used to sit up at the window for hours and hours, right, just looking at the lights, watching the big wheel go round and round. And and also, I was quite happy as a kid in the garden, digging a hole. I wanted to get to Australia, and I'm still digging, right? My dad used to just leave me out of the garden. And, and I look at bits, and did I come out my mum like this? I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. But, but for me... <sighs> drinking kicked off. Um, that's the first drug I took. Drinking kicked off for me when I was around about 15. I tried it. I've been in my mum and dad's drinks cabinet. If they're listening, they might not know that. But yeah, I was in there um, quite early on, making those little cocktails and um, from about age eight. But at age 15 at school, I noticed something was a little bit, I don't know, you hear it so much in, in you know, in fellowship meetings that I just didn't know where to place myself. But booze, as soon as Martin started drinking booze at lunchtime, Martin become funny. Everybody wanted to be with Martin. And um, very quickly from that, I, I never wanted to be that naughty boy at school, that one that comes in stinking of fags or the people smoking pot behind the bike sheds, you know. But very quickly, I become, you know, I, I did start smoking marijuana. That's my first drug. But I was really shit at drinking and smoking drugs. <laughs> I, I used to be the one that was sitting in the back of my mate's mini whitening and just sitting there in a the mess. But I kept on going back time and time again to do it. And uh, from the first time I drank, I was to blackout, you know. But, but that's just all on you. And at the age of, I think it was about 16 and a half, someone gave me some amphetamine and some speed, right? Boy, I could drink for England on it. It was, you know, I could go for days. And um, I very quickly got into this, going to clubs, let's see, come along. And at age 17, uh, I don't talk about it very much. We've had a little conversation um, off air about it. But at the age of 17, I was launched into, um, how can I put it? A very chaotic lifestyle. Um, my brother played for a very big band in the rave days, and uh, um, I was obviously the younger brother. And when I look back, being in recovery now, I just I've really done a bit of work on it recently. You know, when, when I was seeing him up there in front of like 80,000 people headlining Reading or something. My little inner child was like, look at me, mum, dad, look at me. And I don't talk about this a lot because it, it can come across as ego field in the rooms. But you know what? I've got to the stage of recovery that this is my story. And having that in my face at an early age, I, it made me want 
pursue a career in entertainment. And off I went, off I went to Butlins, become a little record um, and then I become a DJ. But my drinking and using was out, was just out the window. Um, and I got to age 23 and I was working out on a ship and for the first time, uh, I had a feeling come over me. Uh, um, emptiness, I was just had this hole in my stomach. I couldn't get any drugs on the ship. Not, I just didn't try in the middle of the ocean. The alcohol stopped working. And for the first time in my life, I realized I didn't want a beer. And I went for a walk out the back of the ship and thought about, thought about it. And I'm going to fast forward now. I've been waffling on a bit. I just saw about the last three years of my drinking and using, you know. I blamed the entertainment career of <laughs> all the carnage, all the drugs and all the drink around me, but not realising it was me that was the problem. And I come out of the entertainment game and went into the security game. And I was fortunate enough, I'll say fortunate enough, looking back on it now, I worked in the West End on the door team, but they made me head of the drug search team. <laughs> and whatever I found, um, maybe it didn't go in that box, maybe it went in that pocket. And I've come, you know, from the music days, thought I'd arrived, and then I just jobbed in a nightclub, thought I'd arrived again. But I cracked on. Um, up until my last three years, and I ended up in the house on my own. Um, I didn't know how to live a life with or without drugs. And it came over me again in that house, you know, just end it. What's the point? Got no friends left. And um, I started gambling as well. The drugs had stopped, the drink had stopped. I used to sit in that house gambling around the clock, trying to win enough money to buy my drugs and drink. And um, I first asked for help with the gambling because I'd exhausted all avenues with money and that. I just completely run out but I couldn't get honest I could not get honest you know we know this is if this stuff's going to work you've got to get honest and I managed to get honest and ask for help with the gambling but I could not talk about that drink or drugs and then an incident happened where I got arrested and um, I had to ask my mum and dad to get me out of the police station I had no, no friends left I just nobody wanted to hang around with me anymore you know I come from this being this center of attention party animal and, and I made a decision on Saturday the 13th of December 2018, I put myself into a rehab and um, I sold my house, which the only reason I had it was because I was gambling so much and I could afford to sell it to pay for the treatment. And here I am, sober me now. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks God for you doing what you did and taking that step really martin can i just ask you to just check your internet because you're a little bit crackly um i don't know if you want to maybe turn other any of the devices off that you've got so you're a little bit i don't know if you can hear it but at my end um we can hear your speaker crackling a little bit um amazing amazing testimony i mean you know, thanks God for your mum and your dad, you know. You're so lucky to have good family around you. I think that's so important, you know. I think it's really makes such a difference when families support us to make those right decisions. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're picking you up from the police station. And we were talking a little bit earlier about um, off camera um, about you know your mum and dad picking you up from the police station. Was it from the police station? What tell us, talk us through that a little bit. I think that's really. I think it's really important piece of the jigsaw, and I do think. I mean, obviously, you took the choice to to, to take that offer, but I think this type of um, scenario should be happening a lot more in this country. So, just talk us through it. Yeah, firstly, apologies on the sound. Um, You're okay now, get... right? Okay, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, intervention. We was having that chat um, before, and. I can remember being released from the police station and um, just thinking, how can I get home? Who can I call? And like I said, you know, alcohol and drugs just stripped me of everyone. Nobody wanted to be around me. And I just thought, good old mum, she'll come and get me. And she did. You know, I used to run back to mum loads of times. You know, I just used to, you know, they've been amazing. And I just had to do what she said i wanted to go back to my house when she picked me up and she's like nope 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 you're coming back with us you're coming back with us and i ended up going back to the family home and um i said i'm just going for a kip and she's like no no you're not going for a kip I walked in the front room there's my dad and my brother and they just pounced on me my brother had all this information from friends from um, years ago that had seen me and just thought, you know what, your brother needs help. He's not right. And my mum sat there and said, what are you going to do about it? Do you know the first thought that came into my head? I can get away with this. I can get away with it. Because I thought all my life I had been getting away with it until the last three years where cracks started to show and people that knew me could see I was a bit gaunt and see I was a bit different. And uh, my brother, and I've got to thank him for doing this because he will be listening. He just reeled off. He had this bit of paper. He's like a newsreader. And he mm. went, right, such and such has said this on this date. Such and such has said he'd been waiting to get hold of me. But every time I went over to see mum and dad, I had that mask on. I'm all right. I'm all right. But inside, I was busted, you know. And um, But I'll be honest, something inside which I now know something that has been looking after me for a long time. Um, yeah. And typical addict style, I went to have a look at a couple of rehabs. <laughs> Selected the best one. <laughs> I think it's great, though. and It's really admirable and absolutely brilliantly well done for your family to your family as well for doing that because a lot of families don't have the courage to do that because it is scary because it, it we were saying earlier it can go one of two ways you know the, the addict can either take this opportunity amazing opportunity um of uh, one that's given with love where they go you know what actually yeah i need help or mm-hmm. the other alternative is no thanks you know i'm not going to take this offer and as you and I know, and as Kev knows, there's only one way from that, isn't there, which is further down, further down the ladder, you know. So well done to your family for doing that intervention. You don't hear of interventions so much in this country. I used to do a lot of interventions in, in my private practice before I set up the charity um, within businesses. So I used to do workplace interventions and family interventions. And I used to work with a family for four weeks 
before we intervened because wow. it's such an intricate operation. So fair play to your brother for, for going to the lens that he went to to get all of that information to show you how much how, how loved you were. This is it. This is it, totally. And you know, I, can, I can't thank him enough. I, I really can't. At the time, <laughs> he wasn't my best mate. But, you know, the relationship I've got with him today is fantastic. Oh, I bet I bet they're thrilled that you're back. Um, it is amazing. So, so Kev, do you want to, to answer Martin? Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is um, about a couple of days ago, I met some friends from school. Uh, hello, if you're watching. And, uh, we, and I've not seen them for 40, 45 years or something. And we were chatting and my addictions came up. And they said to me, you had a taste for it when you were 14, 15. We could tell then that because you didn't do normal drinking like the rest of us. Um, and I think, and a lot of people have said, you know, was it the fame of this and the fame of that that sent you down the road? And I, I've always said, uh, no, no, um, I, it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered to me what I, what yeah. I was doing. Um, and I want to know, do, do you feel the same? Because everyone says, you know, because of being in showbiz, it, it, it is drug laden and drink laden, which it is. But I, for me personally, I would have gone down that road, whatever I was doing. And I just wondered if if, if you'd have done the same, Martin. Totally, Kev. Um, I've often questioned, was it because I went into entertainment at such a young age? Mm. But no, because mm. I know that, that time at school when alcohol started to do something for me, um, even though I was no good at drinking it, it had me then because I kept on going back to it mm. and I kept on trying these different drugs. And why was I doing that? And uh, yeah, I can't blame the entertainment industry for doing that. And you know, there's loads of people in the entertainment industry that don't drink news like I did. Yeah. And I just think I've just got overloaded with drink and substance from a young age. Yeah. And that's all and that's all on you. That's all on you. And then going through life just not knowing any different. Mm. And just thinking people like my neighbour that's out there washing his car at eight on a Sunday, what the heck what are you doing, you weirdo? You know, yeah. doing doing normal life stuff. And I'm indoors just with the curtains closed, just you know, off my head. Well, I've been lucky enough to work with uh, a lot of casts and and the average age is is 20 between 20 and 25 and they don't they don't drink uh like i used to drink at that age and i think that's testament to the fact that a lot of information is out there now and the dangers of it uh and it's also a testament to them that they're professionals and they they look after themselves they, they do the gym uh i mean and i was in the theater at 23 25 and um, you know, it, I just go to the pub. I never go to the gym. What's that? You know, <laughs> we used to finish the show, go to the pub. Um, mm. And and I think you know that now nowadays, I mean, it's brilliant the fact that they don't fall into the same traps that I did. But then again, having said that, I, I would have done it whatever I was yeah. doing. Um, and and I want to ask you now, uh, what are the what like to we like to concentrate on the on the positives as well? Uh, what came back into your life, and what are the good bits, you know, of your sobriety? What what are the the the, the highlights? It, uh, highlights. I'll be honest, there's so many. What 
what has come to me through doing recovery is very easy to be in recovery and just tiptoe around it. You know, I've had to work a very, very hard program and I do every single day. And through doing that, the rewards that have come, um, I had an idea. It brings us on to my little project that I've been working on, which, um, as I said earlier on, I couldn't see a way of enjoying myself with or without drink or drugs. And um, the last job I had, I worked um, booking comedians, um, professional acts. And I had this idea that why don't we take alcohol out of a comedy club and just do a sober show? And the old boss, I'll be honest, laughed at me and said it wouldn't work. And I trialled it um, on the 16th of December last year. And do you know what? Sober is fun is all about just having fun sober because I didn't think I could achieve it. And achieving that from going from one show with 35, 40 people, we've ended up moving to a bigger venue. We have 100 people in sober laughing out loud and I always had ideas when I was drinking and using like all these crazy ideas how I was going to do this business and do that business and make this work but then you wake up in the morning and you just be like nah <laughs> I think a lot of us done that all these um, but to actually follow something through and have sober is fun just out there um and the feedback from the acts, the, the professional acts, they all didn't know what to expect because, you know, a comedy club with no booze. What are you talking about, mate? But everybody that's been and performed at the shows, they're like, wow, there's no chatty customers. Everyone's attentive. And it's just, I think, achieving that and getting sober, yeah, it's a big one. Because I never thought I'd achieve anything. I think it's brilliant. I think I think it's so needed, so so needed because sobriety is fun. People, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Nobody knows that. It's such a revelation. You know, we're not we're not a glum lot, as they say in meetings. We're not a glum lot. We, in fact, I can honestly say, hand on heart, I've never laughed as much. Mm. And the great thing is now is I get to remember the jokes I was laughing at. This is it. This yeah. is it. I do think that uh, in the rooms uh, of the fellowships, tragedy and comedy are, are like this. They're very close together. This is why we laugh at people slipping on a banana skin or we laugh at situation comedies where this, the situation gets so ridiculous and, uh, and, and it just becomes very funny. But if you took the humour out of that, those someone falling on a banana skin is, is quite a dangerous thing. But we still laugh, right? It is, it is. It could like break your back or something. Mm. Or someone falling off a ladder. It's it, We laugh at it. And comedy and tragedy are like this. And I have been in the rooms and people have told their stories. Uh, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. But it's been the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because it's so dark. And... <laughs> It is so, so dark. If you filmed it, or if you actually took that as a script and used it, 
people would would just be falling about because it's it, it is very very funny and i think it, it is important that we laugh i've never laughed so much as i have in the rooms as well because in the rooms of uh, of the fellowships the stories are true and they are they can't help it they're funny because tragedy is funny sometimes of how things gradually fall apart and, and and you lose things and then this happens and then that happens. That's the basic of comedy because all comedy has got to have a victim somewhere along the way. And either the victim's someone else or it's you. Mm. And, and that is why stories of recovery are the most funniest things I've ever heard. And laughter, even laughing at ourselves, is a great healer. He's a great healer. And I think people in recovery laugh harder and because they recognize the, the tragedy of it. So it's important. So and what is that? What have you got? What have you got plans have you got for sober sober is fun in the future? Well, obviously there was that breaking news that we saw last night about going back, um, reduced numbers for social gatherings and I think there's an announcement this afternoon at four o'clock and I had set plans in place to start to go back to the Essex Alcohol Free Comedy Club, which is in Chelmsford in Essex. Um, I'm just hoping that we can get a socially distanced show back up um, because the people, like you say, Kev, um, we do like to, once you get to a stage that you're covering, you can look back and actually laugh, you know, I think it's amazing to get to that stage. And um, we had comedian Mike Gunn join us um, a year ago. Um, a lot of you probably know Mike. And he's um, over 30 years sober now. And he actually done a full-on set regarding addiction. And do you know what? The laughter in that room, you know, people were crying, but laughing at themselves. And I just want to get the atmosphere because it's hard to describe a room of 100 people sober, crying with belly laughter, you know, not enhanced. And I just hope I can get back to that. And it is still a fine line. Um, likewise, there's a um, show that I do in London as well, the London Alcohol Free Comedy Club. Um, we run a couple of shows there. But unfortunately, you know, due to social distancing, it's just too small to actually do it. But as soon as these guidelines come back, I just want to get it up because it's not just business it's giving people in recovery something to go to that is good that is a it is a good event and all the acts you know that i use they are professional because it's so important to have that when you come to an event to have that first experience and want to come back you know so it it takes a lot of doing and to look and you know i know a lot of acts through my journey um but i'm just hoping you know i'm just hoping that will be allowed to get back up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it financially viable now uh, with at the size of your room? Or... This is it. This is it. It's, to be honest, with reduced capacity in the room, probably not. But as, as long as I can look at breaking and putting on this event, um, I will do it. You know, it does take a lot of work. But when I first done that first show back in December 2018, it was more kind of the giving back because I had all these people I'd worked with. I thought, you know what? I'm going to put this event on. And I want people to come and experience yeah. it. And that's how it's kind of just snowballed. Um, but I will give it another go. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just hoping this announcement at four o'clock, you know, it's a big one for a lot of people. Me too, me too. Presumably, um, uh, it's not just for people in recovery. It's for anyone who wants to come along. This is it. Mm. And, do you know, our audience were predominantly people in recovery. But what we've seen, which is fantastic, is people that do drink um, decided to take a night off. Right. And what's a, what a message yeah. to, you know, to come. The, the professional acts, do they, do they change their set at all or do they just do their normal set as if the room was full of drunk people? They do their normal set. Um, there's a lot of great acts that are now sober. Um, Paul Peary, um, Jeff Boys, Eleanor Conway. And I have used them in the shows because I think it's important too. Um, but, yeah, normal comedians will come and do nor- normal comedians. <laughs> Normies will come and, yeah, just do their normal set that they might do in the comedy store, you know? And can I ask you, what did the, the people that did came along and did their, their sets, maybe, possibly even, for the first time ever, in front of a sober or completely sober audience, how did they react? How did it go down with, uh, with them, the, the, the professionals? This was something that I wasn't too sure how it was going to go down. And um, I asked Mike Gunn the other night um, when I was doing my straight talks on the Sobris Fun page about what was your first thought when I asked you to come and do it. And he goes, I'll be honest with you, he's like, sober, just full of boring people. (laughs) That was his first impression. He didn't realise till he got to the actual venue that the majority of the people were like us. Mm. Um, They were in recovery. And... He actually said, I saw Mike Gunn smile, and that takes a lot, and we couldn't get him off stage, and I know he had a good show. And, you know, I spoke to him and the acts afterwards, and they just think it's fantastic um, because people are attentive, they're not chatting, Mm. and they can do all their material without being interrupted. And Karen Bailey, fantastic stand-up from Brum, um, she'd done a Christmas show last year in Chelmsford. And she actually put on her social media, it's her best Christmas show she's had. And she's a busy girl. And Mm. it's because we are there to take in the night, experience the atmosphere, and we're not there for the booth or just to get wasted. We're there for the fun of it. We're there because we want to have a laugh. And I think it's beautiful. I think... Like you've just explained, Martin, my experience, I've, as you know, I've been doing all sorts in the community forever, forever. And for the last 22 years, I've been doing stuff in the community, seeing what works, what doesn't work. And my experience, I, I used to put on um, um, pop-up dry bars um, to see if it was if it was business viable business idea and also to see if people would come, you know, because the beauty of recovery is we do have a bridge to normal living so we can go to places that do that does serve alcohol maybe not in the first 12 months but you know we we can do normal stuff so for me it was such a revelation when I was putting on these dry bars and sort of as you called them norm normies were coming normal people were coming and what really shocked me was the amount of young people that will come in. There's a massive, massive, massive community of young people that are coming up now that don't actually, they're not bothered by drinking and drug, drug taking, that, you know, they, they want to have alternative spaces where they can go and they can sit and they can still have fun. 
they can sit with a mate. There's no pressure. There's no, oh, should we have one? And then it leads to 10. No. And and that was the feedback I got from from the, the, I call them the civilians, the normal people out there, was, do you know what? Not everybody's that bothered about drinking, which was a strange concept to me, to be honest. But it was was like, oh, okay then. And to be honest, they were the majority of the audience that came. They were the majority. So a fair few recovery friends came, but majority of the people that came were young people that didn't drink and drug and other people that support stuff that we do because we're all affected. I think think that's because, uh, because the three of us are addicts, we we surrounded ourselves with people who had the same uh, appetites uh, as we did, um, and that's who all the only people we kind of mixed with, uh, because that's the only people we wanted to mix with. And and we do forget that you know we are different from everyone else. Lots of people don't drink, and I think lots of people didn't drink when we were drinking. It was just that we didn't we didn't know they were out there because we didn't mix with them. Yeah. And I think the family members, though, like you were saying, Martin, you know, your mum and dad and your brother, you know, I think because they are so positively impacted by recovery and I call it family recovery. So obviously your family is in family recovery. They have knowledge. They have understanding. They have um compassion and empathy and they understand that this isn't a moral failing that you would become a poorly man you'd not become a bad man you'd become a sick man and that you needed to get well and they they appreciate that so those sorts of family members come to our types of events and they support and they get involved because do you know what it we've said this before you know for every one active addict 10 people are affected but for every one recovering addict 10 people are affected so and it's all all for the positive so i think it's i think it's brilliant i think you know all power to you i think let why can't we just can't you put on a comedy show online or outside or i have thought of, i've been holding off doing the online because it's all about the atmosphere experiencing the room full of laughter but I was only thinking about this last night uh, when I saw on BBC News about um, the numbers of you know groups um, up to six, and I was just thinking, do you know what? If if it can't happen, I think I am going to have to go that way and do an online show. Um, but it is a shame. It is a shame, and we were getting somewhere. We were getting somewhere. Um, my good friend Ben. Um, who's in recovery, he came on board to help me um, because we started to get busy just before lockdown. The shows were going great and had all these shows. Had to cancel about five other events that we had going on. And, yeah, I do need to go to the drawing board. But, yeah, I'm just hoping that this announcement later, I don't know. But maybe online. Yeah, I think I think there's got... Listen, I mean, they're doing it with theatre productions now. They're doing it with ballet. They're doing it with all sorts. There's got to be a way. I think if there's anybody out there listening that's got any ideas or any suggestions or my experience is, is asking for help is brilliant. And, and it's so liberating. And also it allows other expertise in. You know, there's lots of ways to crack a nut, as they say. Yeah. And, and I think, you know... Um, 
I think Jason Mansford's gone online with some comedy shows that he's been putting on. You know, what's what's to you know, what's to stop you doing this? And I keep saying to Kev, we've got to think of something. We've got to think of something. The girls the girls need Clark's shoes. We've got to make a living somehow. You know what I mean? This this industry that you're involved in, that Kev's involved in, you know, it can't it can't stay shut forever. You know, it really, really can't just hoping for a good announcement later but you know it, it was getting there wasn't it They've, but yeah well I think as regards people drinking at venues it doesn't in my experience and which is pretty extensive in theatres people apart from maybe on a Friday night and a Saturday night people don't drink to come to the theatre or they, I don't think people drink to go to the cinema um so the, there's no real need for you know for it to and there's and it's regulated you know people are, are looked after when they come in so hopefully I hope it all comes back this afternoon I hope right so I'm with you on that one mate yeah Thanks, I think something's got to give and it something's got to change because they can't keep all these amazing theaters in darkness um, and like you say I mean I'm not being funny or anything ain't rocket science if they're opening the pubs where you've more chance of some stranger licking your eyeballs <laughs> and, and then, do you know what i mean and you sat next to somebody in a civilized theater who's got a mask on who's not drunk or in, um, high you know it's like what's going on let's let's rethink this really you know <laughs> I think some something's got to give. I really do think something's got to give. But I, I've loved having you um, come and join us. And like I say, you know, I really appreciate your support. And I know that you want to put on um, an event in Brighton once we love get. Love to. I would love that. I would love. And I, pre- I honestly I appreciate your support, your family's support, everything that we've been doing. You know, you've been really behind us and running all over the joint to, to raise funds. Yeah. Um, looks exhausting. I've just walked my five kilometres um, on a number of occasions. Um, but no, we really do appreciate your support and your kindness. And we've got some lovely comments as well. Um, uh, here's one, let me show you. Off Jane, absolutely. Laughter is so important. Martin's events are excellent. Have oh, I'll pay you later, Jane. Ah, thank you, Jane. <laughs> um, and, and somebody else, Amy, said such important conversations to be having you know these are important conversations people out there are dying because of addiction and because of you know and and we've not even talked about gambling addiction you know Mm. you you told us earlier about you know you you're a compulsive gambler and how many people i mean do you want to touch on that a little bit and you're very yeah sure very very quickly i know time's getting on um, but when I was at the end, at that stage in my house, when the drink and the drugs had stopped working, I was like looking for the next thing. And I could always place a bet like once every few months on the horses. Um, only a little bet. It was fine. But I missed the Grand National. I, I missed the time of getting out the house to the bookmakers. And somebody said, go online and do it. So went online, placed this bet, and everything started flashing to an addict. I was like, whoa, what does that one do? What does that one do? And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm up at the end, just horrific, for days on end, still drinking and using, but also with my laptop now open. And being under your influence, 
I had no fear, obviously, that had been eliminated. And I was just pressing this button to transfer, transfer, transfer. And I remember when I broke to the parents on that, my dad's got the printouts. And one evening session online was 12 pages of A4 paper back to back. And each little line was a transaction. That is where I got to. And I actually, as I said earlier, I broke to my family. The only reason being, if I'm honest, I've <laughs> um, run out of money. And I borrowed from everybody, from family, from my mum and dad, from my brother, from my best mate, Alex. Um, and I just thought I've got nowhere to go. Um, but what I did find, and I just want to give him a shout out, Break Even is a charity that helps um, people recover from gambling addiction. And it can be very easy to sweep under the carpet. Um, but I've found by talking about it in meetings and stuff, when I pop that into a share or into my conversation, it makes people think, oh, do you know what? I used to do the football pause. And then all of a sudden I've ended up. But the thing was, I had this one-on-one -on -one counselling with this lovely lady, but I used to turn up there a sweaty mess where I hadn't been asleep for days. And I used to go to the pub when I come out to tell everybody I'll stop gambling and then just get absolutely shit-faced. It's insanity. It is. It's, and the true definition of insanity is repeating the same behaviour, expecting a different result. And it's great that you... I'm so glad that you've got a full knowledge of your condition because it is a bit like whack-a-mole for some people. Mm. You know, you hit drinking on the head here and it pops up here in drug addiction. You hit drug addiction on the head there, pops up here with um, gambling. Pop that on there, then we might be a bit of sex, might be workaholism, yeah. might be spending. You know, I know so many people have been ringing our helpline during this pandemic around shopping online. Um, family members, one family member had spent £95,000. I mean... It sounds like a lot of money to get through, but um, uh, guitars, <laughs> you've always had them. You've collected them over the years. He's not allowed. He's got a ban yeah. on guitars. He's not allowed to buy any more guitars. That's I, If anyone wants to send me one free, yeah. thank you very Fender, much. And Fender, what was the, love them. Yeah, it, it, was, it was sponsored yeah. when he was a rock star by Godin, wasn't he, Kev? Golden, yeah. So, yeah, I love it. That is probably my my vice now. Guitars. Yeah. What about that gadget, Kev? That we were talking about when you done that chat for me. How's that oh, getting the, on? The, uh, the, com the complete audio at six. The complete audio six <laughs> is mad. No, I've actually I've spent time on it, and uh, yeah, it works. And Garage Band, and I managed to get it all sort of going. But it's but it is that is something. It's like an addiction. But it's a pretty much a safe one. But I do get lost in it, yeah. uh, and and that's good. I think that's good because it, mm. it it's a positive thing. Uh, I mean, for example, when in early sobriety, I was I was PlayStation um, mad, uh, and that's because I think it got myself out of myself uh, for a while, and and I was more concentrating on that. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that it's a good thing if you if you 24 hours a day. No, that's not that's not good. 
use it for what it's there for. It's just for entertainment for an hour just to get out of your head and then leave it alone. I think as well, I think what's important, what we've talked about here, and I know that I have got an addictive nature. Mm. Before I picked up a drink or a drug, I had an addictive nature. I was um, an all or nothing type of girl. I was an all or nothing type of child. You know, I know Kevin was because he's told me some of the antics he used to get up to before he picked up a drink. And he makes it reminded him of, you know, what it was like when he was younger. And I think the greatest gift we've given our children, I mean, we, we don't go on about um, addiction to our kids but what we do we do talk about openly and honestly is recovery from addiction because it is part of our personalities for me it's about my program my recovery helps me stay balanced so and Kev uses creativity to stay balanced it's so important I mean if it weren't for his guitars and his little that what's that box called again Kev Oh, he's on, he's on. The complete audio six. <laughs> Honest to God, I might have murdered him because it is it, kept him entertained. He's learned how to do all these amazing things, and and because of his addictive nature, he's like a dog with a bone. He's not been able to stop until he's known how to do the drum track. How he's known how to do the this, that, and the other. He's so it's for good, isn't it? It is good. Addiction personality. And what you said before about ego. Ego is all right in the if it if it's channeled the right way. Um mm. ego is a very positive emotion, a very positive feeling. It is that feeling of I can do anything, which I think as 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 a recoverians, as our daughter called us, um, you need that. You you need that. I mean, certainly in in, in my recovery, uh, I was told uh, you stop drinking. And you can do anything. And I really took that on board to the point of ridiculousness where I really did think I could do anything. Um, and I did, uh, and to, to certain levels of success. Uh, but, I mean, there's certain things that I would never have attempted uh, drunk because we had that feeling of uh, the imposter syndrome. You know, um, no, I shouldn't really be here. And I don't think that's something to do with... Uh, alcoholism i think that's general across the board you know that is quite a, a common thing now on the, the imposter syndrome thing but yeah. it, positivity and ego um if they're if they're if they're channeled through the right in the right direction they could be a great help in recovery i think i think ego is very misunderstood i'd love to do a whole afternoon chatting about ego in in recovery because like kev said we're born with an ego we're born with you know when we created when we're born into the world we're born whole and then what happens as we grow older this is my interpretation anyway is we our our characters develop and this is where this faulty ego starts to emerge and what for me um my recovery has given me is a much more balanced view on my on my ego on my personality on my addictive nature and if i'm the way i interpret it is it's my motive behind doing stuff so if i'm doing stuff purely because i'm going to benefit and i'm driven by that absolute like greed because you know i can do anything i make i'm going to make a million pounds and it's going to be all for me and that's a bit not on that's unhealthy that's unhealthy ego but for me what my recovery has taught me is 
it's good to achieve things. It's good to want to do stuff in the, you know, for me, that's the whole nature of what I do in the community. I serve and I do it because it's not about me anymore. You know, right. I put energy in that, that um, just that passion, really. It's a passion mm. for people, isn't it? It's a passion for helping people just to achieve their greatest potential. And I think... It is. And... And we see it through now. You know, I was talking earlier on about having all these crazy ideas when you're drinking and using. But like you were saying, when you get an idea and you're sober and, and just running with it, um, it is healthy. It is because I do want to achieve now. There is still a little bit of me, which we should never forget the past, or shut the door. But there's a little bit of me that thinks, right, I've been given this new chance now. I found myself, and why not have a go? And that, I think that's healthy to have that ego to to want to achieve and not just sit back and be, I don't know, um, one of the coffee gang, you know, just sit around talking about people. That, that that's not me, you know. Or I moaning. want to or moaning because it's. I meet a lot of people who moan about um, the situation, and they'll they're like, you know. Poor me, poor me. Yeah. And it's a dangerous game to play. You know, it's about being proactive. We've been given this amazing gift. The way yeah. I look at it is I don't take it personal now. If I do something and it doesn't succeed, then it wasn't meant to be. Exactly. If I do something and, and it's successful, it was meant to be. And I don't, I don't, I just wear it loosely now. I just say, you know what, I'm given these amazing opportunities. I'm, I meet some amazing people. You know, my purpose is to find out what what's that's all about and how we can move forward collectively to, to make an impact, you know, because I do think that, you know, that's what another thing that recovery has given me is the insight that if we do stuff together collectively, we can we've got a far greater chance of trying to do it on our own. Exactly. Okay. So, sorry, Kev, are you? Yeah, I'm just anchoring, anchoring here. Uh, so I want now to ask Claire what the future is for uh, Kennedy Street. Uh, and I know you've briefly touched on it, Martin, but your hopes for not just this afternoon, but your hopes for the future for your various uh, charities or our various charities, I should say. So, yeah. so, go on, Martin, you go first. You tell us what, what's what's. Yeah, apologies. <laughs> yeah, just touch on what I said earlier. You know, I, I want to grow sober as fun. And I've had people contact me from all different parts um, of the country. And like I said, we'll get one up down in Brighton for you once, you know, we, we know more. And it is just, just picking up and running with this now um, because no one's done it to a professional level. We know that your dear friends up north, we spoke about Dry Umbrella. They had some cracking comedy nights. I saw them. Um, but the model I've got, and now I've got the professional comedians know what it's all about and they want to be part of it. It is now just channeling it and, and just moving it. Um, but I'm held back by what I can do. But yeah, if there's anybody listening that's out there that needs a, a good quality, sober comedy night, feel free to drop us a message. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I say, you know, we'll keep people in the loop. We'll keep people informed. Love you to come back and, you know, keep us up to speed on how it's all going. I know some really funny people as well in recovery who 
they don't actually know how funny they are. <laughs> potentially be sober comedians. Um, one lady in particular, I'd love to introduce her to you because she's actually started writing now because she's honestly, she's hysterical. Um, so I'd love to introduce you. Um, yeah, I will. And thank you so much. Um, yep, come to the Isle of Wight. John Elford, he does a lot of stuff in recovery. He's a great good man. Do you know John? We have spoken. He's a very good man. Yeah. The it's hotel. A- Let's give him a shout. The Sober Hotel. Yeah. He's a great, great man. And wonder- that's what I mean about we, we know some brilliant people. Um, yeah. So for us as Kennedy Street, you know, we're just doing whatever it is that we can to to share the message of hope. Um, We want to continue to offer our um, recovery helpline nationally. So we are putting on more fundraising events throughout the year because we're not, you know, we we don't have permanent funding. We got, we were so lucky to get a small pot of funding from the big lottery. um, And we've had some funding from Sussex Community Foundation. And like I say, we've got some funding raised, um, which was amazing. Um, for the Road to Recovery event. But it is a continuum. You know, for us, we've got to work on having a strategy over the year and just getting the message out there. So my passion is just to share with people, you know, um, we've got people ringing from all over the country, all over the world, not just all over the country. People, Facebook is global and people see these talks. I've had phone calls from Peru, Namibia, Africa and one from Paris the other day, a guy in Paris who's working remotely, absolutely crippled with um, alcohol addiction. And within half an hour, I connected him to an English speaking person in recovery in, in Paris that was like around the corner from where he lived. So, you know, we are so blessed. So, 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 yeah. so blessed. Um, so, thank you so much for being part of our recovery family. Um, and yeah, look forward to hearing from you in the future, Martin, and finding out how sober is fun is coming along. Thank you, and thanks again, guys, for inviting me on. You're, you're welcome. Lovely to see you. Bye, everyone. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.